Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome, fellow, fellow Cornet members, um, to another episode of the Cornet Northern California Chapter Podcast. My name is John Bruno. I'm Vice President of Real Estate, Workplace, and Safety at Workday. I will be your host today for the first episode in this chapter's new podcast series, Fireside Chats with CRE Award Honorees. I couldn't be more pleased to have my very good friend, Joan Price, Director of Global Client Relationships at Gensler, uh, join me today during this podcast. Hey, John. Yeah, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well. And it, it's true. We go way, way back. So I'm delighted to be here. It's like old home week here. Please share with us your, your background and, and uh, career uh, to Gensler. Well, gosh, I've been at Gensler now 18 years. I can hardly believe it. It's, it's flown by. And so primarily my role has been really much, uh, it's a combination of uh, business development, but it's taking good care, good care of our clients and nurturing our clients. And I've been very, very fortunate to report to our two CEOs. And a lot of what we're focused on right now is moving project relationships to partnerships and looking at ways to have skin in the game, co-research. So it's a blast. It's a whole new, uh, it's, we're in a new era of thinking. And once we get through this compilation of crises, I think there's this determined optimism for our entire industry, John. I would concur with that. So today, John and I are going to jump into some of the most important trends impacting corporate real estate. Uh, we'll also share with you some of the most impactful experiences that have shaped us and our careers. So with that, Joan, why don't we get started? Okay, let's um, dive in. So share, share with me, Joan, um, during your illustrious career, what do you believe are the most important leadership qualities for corporate real estate professionals and why? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a tough one because I think it's, it can be very, very personal. And for me, uh, I'll, I'll share with you the three that I think are most important for leadership in general, not just corporate real estate, but leadership. First and foremost is the ability to set a vision for the future, always thinking ahead. I think this idea of short-termism is one of our greatest threats to the industry is always thinking in the now. We've got to be thinking about 2030 and beyond. So creating a vision for the future is, a, is extremely important. And the second one is listening. And this is a big part of my job is that listening to our client's point of view really determines our success. And so rather than speaking really active listening, so that's number two. And number three is leading with empathy. Uh, now more than ever, I think this hunger of the human energy and being together as human beings and uh, facing our challenges as a collective species on this planet and leading with empathy is number three for me. How about for you? I'm going to throw that one back at you. You know, I, I concur, Joan, with your approach, you know, leading with empathy. Uh, there's a, a great leadership uh, course that's being taught and it's about leading with the heart, you know, and being able to take those that empathetic way, especially in these exceedingly trying times. I think also it, it's, and I appreciate the, the listening, right? You know, the good Lord gave us two ears and one mouth and we should use them proportionately. And, and in so doing, um, I, I have found that, you know, especially during these exceedingly unprecedented times, you know, the ability to communicate and, and to listen with your team. Um, you know, I used to have staff meetings on a weekly basis. I now do them three times a week and they're just touch bases just to make certain that people feel connected because we don't have an opportunity to engage right now 
we still have work to do. We've got commitments that we need to make. But I, I think that that most importantly, you know, it's it's leading by example, right? Yeah. And, and most importantly, it's trust. You know, that is oh, gosh, you know, yeah. in any in any relationship. You know, whether it's personal or professional, you know, you're as good as your word, and people who trust you will follow you. And yeah. and by leading by example, it yeah. is what I have found to be effective so far. You know, I, and I've known you for so long, and I and I think that um, true to everything that you just said, you just you kind of described yourself, John, which is <laughs> a, a, which is a comfort, and I and I so honor who you are and what you stand for in terms of integrity. And when it comes to leadership and leadership skills, you know, how have you tapped into leadership to manage this crisis? Well, I think there's two things. First off, you know, we, we all in this industry, you know, we we are kind of control freaks, right? We, you know, we have schedules that we take great pride. We hit. We have budgets that we manage. And and this is one where you have to realize I'm not in control. You know, yeah. this this virus that we are contending with on this global pandemic is in control. So one must be exceedingly flexible. And first and foremost, we go back to our core values of of our our team first, our people first, right? How do we create an environment that is safe? In, in those particular instances, and that's um, you know, and 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 being able to to provide your your teams with the ability to pace themselves, you know, over the course of what will be a relatively long term disruption to our industry, to our business, to how we practice, and so uh, and and also you know, one must must stay on top of the uh, um, and stay on top of of the research that's being done, you know, to start understanding about you know the the pandemic and, and how we're going to deal, hopefully, in a post-pandemic environment. So, Joan, how about you? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> it, th- this is just, it's just such a interesting time. The role that I play at Gensler, I think there is, candidly, a barrage of content that's being thrown at us from every single angle. So, if you think of all of the great service providers that we have in our industry, I think this overwhelming amount of information, you know, how do you funnel it down to the the information, the metrics that really matter? And I think for me, it's going back to that leadership skill, which is listening. You know, rather than proposing solutions, it's listening to the challenges and and coming together and, and trying to figure out maybe there's a pilot and maybe there's a way that we can test some ideas before we make decisions. One of the things that we don't want to do is have any of our clients invest in something that isn't going to remain relevant on the other side of this. So I think it's really listening, you know, continuing to listen to all of our clients. Share with me a little bit, any, any leadership skills you've tapped in to help manage through this crisis with your team and the company? Yeah, well, well, one of the things that we've done is um, we, we've, we've taken advantage of having one-on-ones or what I call a VIP salon with a client. Mm-hmm. So rather than assume that the discussion is relevant and memorable for all sectors, we've decided to have individual, what we're calling a VIP salon. So whether it's with a developer client or a workplace client is have a discussion with them and then bring in other experts from our organization to share with them what we're learning. A good example is something that we're doing with Google right now. We have a monthly VIP salon with them and 
what's so fascinating is they've asked us to bring in stories from the outside. So not just stories of other tech companies, but what are we doing in the space of hospitality? What are we leading with in terms of retail? What do we see in terms of the future of mobility? So I find those kinds of conversations really rich because it gives our clients a chance to kind of pop up out of their day-to-day, the roles that they play in their organization and look outside, you know, making sure that we're, we're bringing the outside in to those organizations. It's a lot of fun. Share with me a little bit about, about how did you turn those situations into learning experiences? Well, you know, I think one of the things, the, one of the biggest challenges that we've had is, for, for me personally, is when to know to walk away, um, you know, pick your battles and uh, lead with humility. And so oftentimes we're we're still in a very competitive landscape and you can't always be selected to be Mm -hmm. the provider of choice. And it's, I think it's a skill to know when to walk away and be humble and say, you know what, somebody else had a better idea. Let's let them run with it, but never give up. Always stay in touch with those clients, no matter what. So you can't assume that you won't have a chance in the opportunity uh, in in the future. And I I turn that one around to you too, John, you know, in your world, you've seen it all. You've seen all of us from the service provider community, you know, knock on your door. And so how do you then, how do you, can you describe a learning experience or something that you've taken into your into your organization that you've learned from a service provider. Well, one of the things that I appreciate most is that you know people in, in, in the role that I have at Workday and at previous technology companies, we can get really myopically focused on just kind of our day to day. And and what one of the things that I most appreciate about the relationships that we covet and nurture with with firms like Gensler and, and all the other various service providers is is that you're exposed to a whole lot of different issues that that could very well have a great analog into the things that I need. And and I look at those um, relationships as opportunities to to share with us a little bit more what's what's going on outside of the the focus that we currently have, you know, in the industry, what are things that might be applicable that that allow us to provide a a better workplace experience for, you know, all of the employees that we have responsibility for. And I actually value those relationships. I I try to make it a point also too, is that, you know, we often get get phone calls and cold calls and and have an opportunity to return them and and listen because there's something to be learned in each one of those, in those engagements and conversations. Yeah. And even if you might not have, an opportunity to do business with that individual, you know, but just out of basic respect and make certain that, uh, that you return those calls are, are, uh, uh, are, we have salespeople like most other companies and, you know, it's important for, you know, those people to return their calls just like it is for us. Yeah. To return them. And I, I so and I find honor that-, that John, I so honor that because, you know, you and I are um, <clears throat> old enough. We've been to uh, through a couple of uh, downturns and upside and back down again and you never know who's going to be on your team in the future. And that just that simple courtesy, I kind of call it the karma, the karma of Cornet or the karma of the network, you know, do the right thing and be kind to people that are trying to just launch their careers and it'll come back to you uh, as a benefit. You know, uh, one of the things that I think that's fascinating, I'd love your opinion on corporate real estate in general, the role of the corporate real estate executive and how has COVID 
change the role or may change the role in the future? So these are truly unprecedented times. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when I was in graduate school, my, my whole program was based on, on, on business case studies, and we never had anything that looked like this. So it certainly is uncharted territory. I, I do think that there will be some, I think there are going to be some changes that we're going to have to manage. And I, and I say this in the context that, you know, for the most part, you know, a, a vast majority of, of our peers and, and, and folks that we work with, you know, have found a way to work effectively from home. Um, so kind of the genies out of the bottle, so to speak, right? But, but how, I think the challenge that we will have going through this crisis and the other end is that, you know, we, we need people like Gensler to help us identify how do we create compelling workplaces that compel people to want to be able to come back to work. And that, um, you know, I truly believe that, that collaboration and innovation and engagement really happen in a face-to-face -face environment. And that, you know, I, I want to be more than just uh, just a square on the screen going forward for, you know, my, my engagement with people that I work with. And yeah. so, so our, I think our, our big challenge is going to be um, um, creating a safe environment that's, you know, there will be new hygiene practices that we will be employing. Uh, we'll be thinking of different things um, that we'll have to implement uh, in order to be able to, to become you know, as, as safe as we possibly can do. But we also then need to create a really compelling workplace environment, you know, that really does enhance the opportunity for activity-based functions and learnings. And I think that's how we get people back into the office place. And, and where I truly do believe that you really need to have that daily interaction, engagement with people, um, that you just can't do, you know, over video conference. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's so it's interesting that I've had a, a chance to uh, meet with a, a couple of a broker friends and a developer, and we decided to go into the city and meet face to face over lunch. And at first, I thought, wow, gosh, what am I am I taking a risk? And I got to tell you, the energy just to sit and have a bowl of soup at Perry's with these guys was. Mm -hmm was so uplifting and we miss one another. And you've probably seen some of the media attention you know, over time since March, this idea of working from home, you know, some things are just better done in a workplace environment. And it's either onboarding new employees, but think of the tech sector and the whole idea of, you know, programming mm -hmm. and the ability to work and collaborate with your team, that, that need for the human energy and, and, and meeting together is so important. So, you know, we'll see. I think it's going to be a hybrid approach in the future. And mm -hmm. traditionally, workplace design has relied on straightforward metrics about for benchmarking. It's all about density and space. And I think over time, we're going to see this shift is that how do you address a workplace environment when 60% of the people are in the workspace as opposed to 100%? You know, all of these kinds of new ways, we're just embarking on those now. And so it's exciting times, it's challenging times, but with determined optimism and the collective industry getting through this together, we'll, we'll, we're we'll gonna do it. We're gonna, we're gonna, it'll be a shift, but we're gonna make it happen. Tell me a little bit about, about the Gensler culture and, and how has the, goal, the culture of Gensler supported you through this, this crisis? Well, we're, we're, we're um, frankly 
such a tight knit culture. It's almost as if we're still working at a kitchen table. <laughs> you know, the Art Gensler still, God bless the guy. He's, I think, uh, 84 years old now. He's still a part of the energy wow. uh, of our organization. We just had our um, annual partners meeting where we convene our 300 partners globally from around the world. And Art Gensler was there. Of course, it was virtual. And uh, that was a huge shift for us. But to be able to, to meet with our partners all around the world, throughout Asia and Europe, almost at a kitchen table of like, what's on your mind? What are you working on? What are your challenges is so uplifting for us. And I think one of the things that will lead into this uh, conversation about equity, diversity, and inclusion is that we're very, very fortunate um, to uh, have a co-CEO model at Gensler. And one of our, we have Andy Cohen, um, who is one of our CEOs, and then Diane Hoskins is a Black woman. And so you can only imagine the uplifting of the culture when she has truly taken the lead on looking at architecture and design and the dismal percentage of Black professionals in our industry and uh, in architecture and design. So we've set, we've put together um, uh, strategies, five primary strategies at Gensler, strategies to fight racism and I'm a big part of strategy number five, which is partnering with our clients on diversity and inclusion. So the culture is very much of transparency and sharing and looking at our mutual challenges globally um, and tackling them together. And so this is one that's top of mind for us right now is how do we go into the educational system and, and share with them the idea of having a creative career bringing them in and, and it's for all underserved um, communities. It's very inspirational, John. Yeah. I, I'm really quite impressed with your you guys? Yeah. How about Workday? You know, what's, what's, what's top of mind for your organization in terms of diversity and inclusion? Oh, we have a, a huge initiative that we've been having for several years. We, we, we have what we call Vibe. It's value, inclusion, belonging, and equity. And we, we have acknowledged uh, as a company, we have a, a tremendous leadership uh, from our CEOs all the way through. We've got a, a vice president of, of diversity and inclusion who really you know, started the conversations that, that we've had about the importance. And, and I think one of the things that we all have really embraced is, is that how that diversity will enhance our ability to deliver great products to our customers. And so we have um, an enormous initiatives. And the point that you had mentioned, we also realized that, that a lot of times you start with, with your diversity and inclusion, you, you're internally focused, but realistically the opportunity we have is being externally focused, you know? And we have a number of programs that we've done about how we'll be engaging in, how we are actually engaging in the community as it relates to um, the diversity and inclusion and being able to start nurturing candidates and bring them along into, into the company that allows us to, to address some of those underrepresented minorities that currently have. And, and we're quite excited about this opportunity. It's been fully embraced by our entire leadership organization. And, and there are more good things to come through that. And I, I do think that as difficult a time as this is, you know, this is the good that will come out of it. We're having these, 
these different difficult conversations. And it's a great, it's a great reawakening. And I think it does going to portend well for our, our country and our society and our, and especially our industry going forward. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, I, I have found through my career uh, working at other technology companies is that the one thing that really does distinguish our practice is Cornet. And that, you know, as I talk to people that are in, in, in the different segments within the company, it's very rare to find an organization as inclusive, as um, engaging, uh, and, and one that really promotes our practice. Uh, and yeah. I think that uh, it, it makes me quite proud about uh, having an opportunity for so many years relying upon Cornet that it's kind of the one constant in our careers as, as we, you know, we kind of all, I can say this in the context, we all kind of work for Silicon Valley Inc. You know, my yeah. business card might say one thing one day and another, but Cornet is that consistent theme uh, yeah. and, and, and area of support. So why don't we change the, the talk? Yeah. Share with me a little bit, Joan, you know, in your amazing career about, you know, who do you view as a mentor and, and who helped you through your career? Wow, I, I love that one because there's so many. Um, I agree. Th there's so many. And, you know, one of the, the stories that I love to share is prior to joining Gensler, I was with a, a still case furniture dealer, one workplace, uh, formerly known as Lindsay Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's your day, Ferrari. Oh, yeah. Good friend of mine for years and years and years. And I have so much respect for Dave. And his organization really launched my career prior to joining Lindsay Ferrari or what is now known as One Workplace. Um, I sold, no one knows this. I don't think a lot of people know. I, I sold fish and poultry. I was with Race Street. Oh, uh, no kidding. Yeah. And so, oh, so my goodness. Or not, John. Oh, my gosh. I had a little Chevy S10 truck. And I would drive around. And so the Ripabelli family and the Bersanti family from Ray Street hired sure. me as a salesperson. And uh, true story is in the neighborhood I lived in uh, San Jose. My husband and I lived in San Jose. I would drive around this little truck and I would get a beeper. Remember beepers the day Absolutely. of And I'd have yeah. it on my belt and the beeper would go off. And it would be like the Fairmont Hotel was one of my clients and say, hey, the wedding party just increased and we need you to go get some more salmon. And honest to God, I would get in my little truck and go to the warehouse on 10th Street and pick up some salmon. So the story was a lady in my neighborhood who worked for Dave Ferrari would see me driving around. She goes, wow, you're really good at client service. The beeper is always going off. And what, have you ever thought of joining uh, a company like ours, which is we sell furniture? And I said, what are you talking about? I don't know anything about furniture. And, uh, you know, at least there's more shelf life in furniture. And uh, so I, they took a chance on me, John. This is here. I was a salesperson, fish and poultry. And Dave Ferrari and his organization took a chance on me. And so I really so honor that opportunity years ago to join uh, Lindsay Ferrari, now One Workplace. And that's how I got to know Gensler. And so that's the power of the network is, you know, my mentors from the past have always led me to where I am now. So I think uh, Dave Ferrari and his great organization has definitely been one of my mentors. How about you? Who oh, I got to tell you a hilarious story. <laughs> so, so we're connected in more ways than one. So I, I spent 12 seasons as a commercial fisherman. Oh my, uh, my, my grandfather uh, was, a, was a fisherman up in Alaska. And at the age of 10, it was kind of a rite of passage in our family. And I spent my summers up in Alaska fishing for 
Copper River King Salmon, Copper River Sockeyes that you probably sold at Race Street. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's hilarious. Get along. That's what we yeah. get, you know, the salt of the earth, right? Yeah, those copper, yeah, those Copper River Kings and, and Sockeyes that we would catch were, they were, we called them money fish. Uh, yeah. We got great price per pound uh, for them, and they were all packed in dry ice and shipped down to the lower 48. Uh, we made we made good. That's how I paid for high school and college was uh, was yeah. the time I spent on my grandfather's boat. So uh, uh, wow. so by the way, so thanks for selling all that fish that ultimately ended up helping to pay for my college education. Yeah, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. That is hilarious. Well, That's- it's interesting because I think this is you know for all the my my first job out of college, I actually went to work for Xerox. Uh-huh. Wow. And I was, I was, a, and back in those days, you were, you were a geographic, you started off being a geographic sales rep and, and uh, you would go door to door, you know, trying to see selling copiers. Right. And, and I can remember distinctly that, you know, you'd go, you'd see a door and it's had the sign that says no solicitors allowed. And, and so <laughs> you'd walk in anyway. And the reception would say, do you see that sign? No solicitors allowed. I said, madam, I'm not a solicitor. I'm a reprographics engineer, and I'm here to be able to retool your business processes. You know, oh. I still get thrown out, but at least I had my pride. So, yeah, yeah. But, it would, but I will share with you what sales teaches you is that it's an old adage my mother had once shared with me: is that you know, if it's to be, it's up to me, right? And you learn you you learn an enormous amount about yourself, about the rejection that you have to deal with and overcoming. You know, as you're going door to door trying to sell copiers or or fish. Um, and, and, but it does provide you the opportunity that you do listen, you know, and one of the things we were always taught is asking people open-ended questions, you know, not yes or no. And you learn and you get, you're able to draw out what people's implicit or explicit needs. And I will tell you to this day, I still use that Xerox training that I had about how to ask questions and learn uh, from other people. And it was one of the, you know, the people that I worked with way back then, they, they were all, you know, they all had different perspectives, but they were driven and motivated. And, you know, when you're on a, on a commission basis, I mean, you know, the more you sell, the more money you make. And, you know, when you're a sales rep, sometimes you're a little bit coin operated. So. Uh, <laughs> it's so true. It and is. I, yeah. You know, and I think one of the things to really share with the audience for those younger individuals who are just embarking on their career, you know, some of the back to basics training and the rigor that you can get no matter where you are in the in your career is to to you know don't don't expect that overnight you're going to be you know the corporate real you're not going to be the John Bruno of the world unless you've done that basic training you you know don't don't just think that tomorrow you're going to be leading the you know a corporate real estate organization Take the time, learn from your network, build your network, you know, ask questions, um, be a part of the community. Those are some of the things that I think, you know, this, you know, giving advice to the next generation is life, life is long, you know, enjoy every step of the way, you know, there's life outside your career too. You know, it's interesting when I talk to people, you know, no one goes in and in, in goes into school or graduates wanting to be a corporate real estate executive. <laughs> and and we somehow end up here. And, and I'll, I'll just convey to especially to the to the younger. I mean, it's a it's a fabulous career. And I, yeah. I will say in the context that, you know, it, it provides you with an opportunity to to learn about business and about people on a global basis. 
And it's one of the few professions that truly provides you that opportunity. You know, there's some sacrifice involved and we spend a lot of time traveling, you know, back and I assume in a post-pandemic environment. But but the challenges that you're presented with and, and the knowledge that you gain from how you learn how, you know, what the various customs are for doing transactions, construction, design, or build out. You know, I, I can candidly tell you that I've done a real estate transaction on every continent on the planet other than Antarctica. And, and it provides with a, a, a unique perspective that um, pr provides you with, with some um, great experience, with, with wisdom, and, and great humility um, uh, with that. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it is, a, it is um, a great opportunity for people to stay, you know, especially early on in their careers, about being able to absorb everything you can, you know, especially not only from your cornet, uh, relationships, but also with what you're doing within your corporations. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we we talked about some of the the career milestones and, and challenges. Can you think of, you know, from from John Bruno's your perspective? And you just talked about how many places in the world that you you've completed transactions in your experience. What was one of the most difficult challenges you faced? or a couple of them? Can you think of something that really gotcha, a really difficult challenge? Well, irrespective of, of what we're dealing with right now, uh, so not knowing not knowing how that's gonna end, we'll put a bow on it. You know, I, I think that the, the challenge is, uh, is really about how do you manage a team of individuals that are, that are all around the globe? And that you have people that that work with you that you have to recruit, train, you know, nurture. Uh, and I have I have found that's the one the area that I spend an enormous amount of time. And it gets back to what we spoke to earlier, John, about listening and, yeah. and communicating. Given the the opportunity, but when you have people of you know diverse cultures um, uh, of um, uh, a myriad, you'll have people that work for you in India and in Singapore. In, in Tokyo, Hong Kong, Indonesia, um, you know, trying to be culturally sensitive, but also making certain that that you know that that um, we're all moving in the same direction, and and I have found that that is probably and it's a good challenge and it's one in which you embrace because it really does you know there's nothing better than than leading a team and not being actually out in front but being behind and pushing them and watching people as, from a career perspective as they attain both their personal and professional goals and you see how they grow and blossom into their yeah. role i think Isn't that's that wonderful probably, yeah i love i love that aspect of it is being able to know in your heart that you've helped someone uh, get on the path of a career, you know, you know, Cornet Global too has the uh, corporate apprentice program, the corporate real estate, the cap program, which was started by you know, our good friend, Dave Nelson from yes. Wells Fargo and uh, Roger Gage from Christian Wakefield. And to this day, I mean, I'm blown away when I see some of those kids go through that program, they're facing their own challenges and through learning by doing, being a part of the summer program and some of these organizations. I mean, some of them are so wicked smart, John, you know, I, I'm sure they're going to be my boss one day or my client one day. And they're, they're, you know, way smarter than I am. That's for certain, but um, it's just wonderful to see that, to see those young people take flight 
and really launch into a, a career on their own. So um, it's all about learning, learning experiences. That's what life is all about day by day. I, I, I couldn't concur. So we've, we've actually turned into, I guess, we're, we're the mentors now, not the mentees. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, Joan, uh-huh. share with me a couple of the most difficult challenges that you've been faced with. And, and how did you navigate through those challenges uh, during your career? And, and how, did the, how did that turn into a learning experience for you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to hopefully share a personal story that um, maybe people can learn from, or at least listen to and and use it as a a lens to make their own decisions. I have always been a very competitive individual and um, always looking for the next opportunity for myself. And I believe that I erred on the side of uh, the, you know, always working, you know, always, always working. And it did um, cause personal damage to my marriage. And I was always very worried about not being a good enough mom, you know, cause I was always working, you know, I loved the next shiny thing and the next challenge. And so I think that was one of the most difficult challenges is I faced um, my home life not being as strong as my professional life. My husband and I were legally divorced um, and uh, it was tough for both of us. And I was working for Lindsay Ferrari, one workplace. And I was coming back from a a big, big meeting with a client and we had to fly to Chicago, I think. And I I was uh, coming home from the airport and driving down uh, Highway 680 and, you know, driving around thinking about getting home. And it was very, very late. It was a very, very rainy evening. And as I'm driving down the freeway, I see a car in front of me hit the guardrail and spinned around and came head on to me and hit me and my car, a sturdy little BMW spun off the side of the road. Oh my word. Yeah. It was really, really frightening, obviously. And the, my first impulse was to call Jim, my husband and at the, and we were divorced (laughs) at the time. And I picked up the cell phone and I'm on the side of the road and I was alive and I called him immediately and I said, can we please get married? <laughs> because, because I knew at that moment in time, I had just, we had just made this terrible mistake and we ended up uh, remarrying and we're, we're doing great. But it, it's a funny story because uh, in the state of California, you only have to be 12 years old to be a witness in a, uh, marriage ceremony. We got married uh, at City Hall in San Jose. And my son at the time, who was still a kid, but old enough to be a witness, I said, where do you want to, you know, now dad and I are married again, where should we go for the honeymoon? And he said, let's go to Denny's to have a grand slam. So we went to Denny's um, for breakfast. And that was our second honeymoon. Amazing <laughs> story, John. Thank you. And so I think that that's a personal uh, experience that I faced. I think I turned it into a learning experience is now my children are 37 and 34. 
my son is actually in the biz. Um, he's with a, uh, a general contracting firm here in the Bay Area. My daughter is a bossy, bossy businesswoman, but doing really great. And I say bossy with great respect. She's a great leader. And I'm proud because that transparency is that they, they watched me. And you can't be what you don't see. You can't become what you don't see. And so they took the good of what I shared with them and, and the, the drive and wanting to do more and then learn to balance it with their own personal uh, lives. How about you? That's a tough act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be able to, to to best your personal challenge. That's one for, for the uh, that's one of the all time all timers. Um, let me talk to you about a professional challenge uh, and something that we all face. Uh, I, I was having a great run at Yahoo, fun company to work for, um, uh, great culture, and um, there was there was um, a lot of angst within our board of directors. Ultimately. You know, they ended up for a whole variety of reasons that are mundane to our conversation. You ended up, you know, they, they put the company up for auction and, and sold it to Verizon. And I will tell you professionally, there's nothing more challenging than a gut punch when all of a sudden, you know, the company that you work for, that you have built up, you know, a great internal reputation, a fabulous team, you know, a great portfolio of real estate. And now all of a sudden you see it's being taken over and it really challenges you know, your own personal medal about, you know, how do I get up in the morning every day and go to work and, and, you know, and demonstrate leadership and keep your team together, you know, through what is probably one of the most arduous experiences, you know, that we all have in, in technology companies. I mean, it's kind of the, you know, it, it's the elixir that keeps things going back and forth or are all these mergers and acquisitions, but it really was a, a very difficult, challenging time because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're all kind of control freaks, you know, and, and all of a sudden we've lost kind of control of, of, uh, uh, of the um, areas in which we had once responsibility. And this is not to take anything away from Verizon. It's a great company and they saw a wonderful opportunity to be able to grab a, you know, an iconic Silicon Valley brand uh, and incorporate it into their portfolio. But, you know, our entire dynamic changed completely. And, and, you know, as someone who was leading an organization, you know, one day all of your executives are there and all of a sudden the next day they're gone. You know, and that, that yeah. executive floor that was once populated by people with whom you worked with, you admired, respected, you know, they're all gone. And all of a sudden you start seeing people that you work with, you know, leave for a whole variety of reasons. And yet and you're there every day. Moment. That's a leadership moment for you, John, is that well, you and having to, like, to make and that, keep going. As you mentioned earlier, John, you know, and having those candid conversations with people and realize, and I think probably the realization, you know, behind all of this is that, you know, at the end of the day, it's just work, you know, and as, yeah. as John so adroitly pointed, right, you know, you have one family, you have many places in which you call work. And I think, you know, one of the lessons learned is, you know, you take care of your people, make certain you put them on a path or, or a runway, you know, to either get packaged up and, and go off. And, and ironically enough, I have, uh, I have um, of my team that was at Yahoo, I actually have three people now that are running their own corporate real estate departments, you know, that they never would have had that opportunity had, had Yahoo not been acquired, because uh, probably I'd still be there and they wouldn't have been able to knock me off the pedestal, not yet anyway, pretty yeah. soon. So, yeah. uh, so that, it was, That's a you great know, story. And it goes back to, you know, you watch the, the people that hopefully you've given mentorship to or given them career guidance 
And then to see them succeed in that way is so comforting. Um, absolutely. So, Joan, as we kind of wrap up, I'd love yeah. to get your thoughts about, you know, how's your involvement in Cornet uh, played throughout your career? Wow, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. I really am. I'm so fortunate. Everything, you know, I, I shared some personal stories, but boy, am I a lucky lady is that, um, you know, I was born with the, the work ethic. And the truth is, back in the day, um, between the integration of IDRC and NACOR, we were so lucky in the Bay Area. We had, um, you know, Chris Ross and Chris Waffler and Greg Holbert and uh, Randy Smith and Gail Smith and a bunch of others. We were a big part of the local integration of NACOR and IDRC. So I was a part of that back in the day. I think 2000 is when they formally merged. And at that time, you know, we, we were running the chapter meetings by, we, ha, we remember those, those really cheesy, hello, my name is sticky, no, you know, sticky name mm -hmm. badges. We'd actually write them out before the meetings happened. We, we, we didn't have a checkbook or anything. We took cash for the, for the chapter meetings. And we were, you know, we, we just didn't have a system. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun to launch the Northern California chapter, which has now become, you know, boy, talk about what they built uh, after me. But um, it certainly has been a huge part of my success. No doubt about it. The fact that the network has given me a chance to meet so many great people and uh, it, it's been irreplaceable, the experience. For me, how about you? Oh, I concur. It's probably one of one of one of the um, organizations that I cherish most with within my career. And and like you, I can remember back to the IDRC days, and I could never figure out what it was in ID Industrial Development Research Council. How did that ever? You know, that was when corporate real estate was really truly in its infancy. You know, there yeah. wasn't really a CRE practice per se. But you know, yeah. through the through that merger between NACOR and IDRC. You know, coming up with Cornet, it's now a really valuable brand, and you know, I I, I take great pride in that network. Um, you know, I, I probably two or three times a day I'm speaking to someone else who's one of my peers within Cornet or a service provider, and it's that consistent theme that you know people are held to a to a high standard of professionalism and ethics. Um, one of the things that I love that the organization did. I don't know if you remember this, but early on in the you know, when we would have the World Congresses, you'd have the blue badge and, and the gold, gold. badge. Uh -huh. and so, so there. So, for, for those of you who don't familiar with it, they, we used the for whatever reason, service providers were given one color badge and and end users another color, and it, it created a little bit of a dichotomy, so to speak. And so, the fact that we've gotten rid of that was kind of our our first play into create in creating the equality within the organization. Because I truly believe that that people such as Jonah, you know, a, a valued friend and, and professional, you know, we on the CRE side, on the corporate real estate side, we we rely and need you to, to help us do a better job in creating wonderful workplace experiences for our employees. Because of all the vast experiences that you have, the conversations that you have, you know, and sharing those with us and those ideas is what strengthens and make makes it such a wonderful opportunity for us to deliver great great services and, and, and cost-effective solutions for corporations' real estate needs. Yeah, no, this this has been so much fun. I had a blast. Yeah, Joan, great, great stories. Yeah, 
It's great to see you. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully uh, one day soon it'll be in person, John. I can take you out for a bowl of soup at Perry. Sure, a bowl of soup is great. It's one of my favorites. It's what I have for lunch. Um, yeah. It's Although it's funny, it's kind of, it's, you know what's really interesting about this is that I don't think I've worked harder. You know, it just takes more coordination. And all of a sudden, you look at your watch. Oh, my gosh, I haven't been down for lunch. I haven't gone. You know, I will say one thing. I, I know more about my neighborhood than I ever did in the last 19 years that I've lived here. I can tell you about people's houses that need to get painted in the cracks and the garage doors that don't drop all the way. So, um, uh, yeah, it has it has been a, a challenge and a test. And, uh, and I, too, look forward to that opportunity. That is probably what I miss the most is the interaction I have, not only with my staff, but also with all the people in, in the organization in Cornet that we uh, engage with on such a regular basis. So yeah. it's been great, John. Great to see you. Virtual hug. to see you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Lovely to see you. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Um, thank you to all our listeners. Please share this podcast with all your friends and colleagues posted on social media. You can find all the chapter podcast episodes on the Cornet NorCal website, and you can subscribe to it on iTunes. Happy listening, and thank you very much. Be well and be safe.